guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy. This episode of Dubai Works is sponsored by Petra Insurance, a groundbreaking player in the UAE insurance market. With more than 55 years of experience in the industry, Petra Insurance offers a range of products to individuals and companies, providing quick solutions and the advantage of paying in installments. They also recognize the importance of transparency and they make it a point to assure trust in their policies. You can get in contact with them directly by visiting insurewithpetra.com. The media and advertising industry isn't something we've covered an awful lot on Dubai Works podcast, uh, mainly because I've always been in that space and we're looking at other sectors. However, when we wanted to have someone on, I wanted to have someone who was smarter than me, who knew a lot more about it and does a lot different things. Uh, so I turned to a good friend, uh, Boye Belogan, who t tells us all about his career in advertising, uh, how he set up an innovative, future-oriented media solutions offering, how he's getting into the venture space, um, and we briefly touched on the NFTs, things that he explains really, really well. Uh, do enjoy the conversation. Welcome back to another episode of Dubai Works Business Podcast. This week I'm joined by an industry uh, pioneer, veteran, uh, expert and good friend, Boye Belogan. He is the CEO of Future Tech Media and also a partner with Janome Ventures. Good morning, Boye. Morning, Richard. Thanks pleasure, for having me. And pleasure to sit down and chat. Yeah, yeah. Love it. So, uh, thank you very much and uh, congratulations on, on the new offices. It's a new space and you're our first interview in Dubai Works in our new studio. So you're very privileged and you're very welcome. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah, so I kind of hinted at it, but our uh, our careers have overlapped a lot. Uh, I'll give a quick kind of background, but we first met probably 12 years ago in London. And we ended up entering the Middle Eastern market together 10 years ago, roughly. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's definitely dovetailed. Uh, you know, I, I remember you being a uh, ambitious, young social media exec or one of the biggest media companies in the UK. Uh, and uh, the journey to, to where you are and the businesses are now is Amazing. Yeah, and you were a good mentor and we, and a boss and many things. But now you've gone on and you've got a, your own two, three, whatever, many big things. Can you explain when you meet someone, uh, what, what is it that Future Tech does and what is it that Janome Partners are? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the heart of it, I'm a media man. I spent, you know, uh, best part of 20 years in digital media. It's all I've ever done. You know, I started off. Uh, at a at an agency uh, in the UK called Preferum, uh, working on the Apple account, working on Western Union and Halifax Bank of Scotland, uh, and you know I, I think I probably spent two or three weeks at an agency called Mindshare working on traditional media, and the rest of my life has been digital. Uh, two or three years. Two or three years. Well, two uh, or three weeks. Sorry. Oh, oh, no, okay. Not two or three <laughs> weeks. Yeah, uh, it was in a. Uh, it was a good experience, but I just knew it wasn't the future. I knew I wanted to be somewhere faster. I knew I wanted to be somewhere more interactive. Mm. Uh, and I challenged myself and moved career. You know, as, as a grad, to make that decision within two or three weeks was uh, oh, wow. was huge. Uh, but you know, the background then is I, you know, I went through various independent agencies. Uh, 
And then uh, where we met, I finally uh, ended up in uh, MEC, one of the WPP uh, agencies, media agencies in the UK. Uh, and I, you know, I ended up the digital team over there for, for a few years. Uh, and of course, the UK market at, at that point was one of the most advanced digitally in the world. Uh, so loads of learnings, loads of experiences, and actually, funny enough, most of my relationships uh, come from, you know, the I would say the six years I sent, spent between Profero uh, and MEC. Mm. Uh, and if you know media people, it's a very small circle uh, spread across, you know, most of EMEA. True. Uh, and I think that's really pushed where I am uh, in, in terms of my career. Uh, because it's really pushed me to be collaborative. Uh, and that's where we birthed uh, Future Tech Media out of, you know, thinking about how we can collaborate with, uh, with, with various areas of, of digital uh, and bring some of those learnings to the Middle East. Mm, yeah. And, okay, let's talk about that for a second, because many people will know of careers in marketing services, whether yeah. it's digital or, or traditional or PR or and people will want to know where do you go from there and you know your remit in the region at the time was to manage a lot of uh, clients campaign spends across the region uh, what sort of insights did you have that led you to say okay there's a gap for future tech um, yeah. and, and what sort of year were we talking about that you set it up and, and what's yeah, offering? It's a good question. So I, so I moved to Dubai in uh, 2012 and I'd flirted with um, kind of relocating two years earlier. It wasn't the right time. Uh, and as exciting as the UK market was, I wanted to explore somewhere a little bit more cutting edge, a little bit more emerging. And that's a thing for me, right? It's uh, mm. It's kind of, you know, pushing boundaries and challenging myself and in the world that we live in, some of that is location. You know, you've got to explore and go to other places to learn. Uh, and, you know, I joined a, a you know, another WPP company called Mindshare uh, as a regional digital director. Uh, and it's interesting you, you ask me about careers because a lot of the conversations within the organization used to be about generalist and specialist. Mm. You know, a generalist being overall business lead that could you know, lead creative or media or technology and a specialist would be someone that would work on search or social mm. or programmatic. Mm. Uh, and uh, I think if you, you know, if you work in digital, actually I don't call it digital anymore, but we'll come back to that. <laughs> uh, if you work in digital, uh, I think as long as the core of, you know, what you're doing is technology and you're open and willing to learn, then, you know, the career parts are endless. You can become a generalist or specialist at a, you know, at the highest uh, level. Mm. Yeah, interesting. So you then jumped across the other side of the agencies and your, your provider, the, the marketing solutions that you offer are that sort of cutting edge yeah. uh, to the agencies. And how have you built that business and what does it look like today? Well, so it's a, there's a nice story about that. Uh, I was on my way back from the Festival of Media in Cannes. And I'd spent four years, uh, four four days. I know it was. Four I think that ago. was in Italy. No, Cannes is the Cannes line. And that the was Cannes, it was. It was Cannes. Line. Oh yeah, 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 of course. You're right. Okay. It was Cannes. Line. And I'd spent uh, four days with, uh, you know, uh, going to various seminars, sessions, 
of course, it can. So I love lunching. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you get a, a lot of learnings and insights from from those sessions. And I had a very clear idea of what the next four years in uh, digital media and media in general uh, would look like. Uh, and I didn't particularly think that my current employment would provide me the opportunity to take advantage of that. Mm. Uh, so I was on Emirates flight. I, uh, you know, the nice pen and paper they give you. Thank you, Emirates. I, uh, I sketched out a business plan by the time I landed. Uh, I had the bare bones of a strategy and a, uh, you know, financial plan. Uh, I think that was probably late Q3. And, and, you know, over the next two or three months, I resigned my employment instead of the business three months later. Right. And, um, you know, I've never looked back. And I, and I think, you know, being an entrepreneur, starting up any business nearly kind of changes the way you're wired. Mm. You, 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 Personality-wise, you become a very, very different person. Um, and you, of course, you get uber-focused. Uh, but all, you're always looking to build and be a creator and look for the next opportunity. Mm. Uh, so that's a background to it. And, and the reason why we started Future Tech Media is, you know, I remember my, my, uh, my times in media agencies in, in, in the UK and all the companies and solutions and, you know, I would say pioneering advertising solutions I had access to and I used to work with. Uh, and, you know, in the Middle East at that point, you know, Dubai been, been, you know, the center of that acceleration. I wasn't seeing that. Mm. So I built a business, Future Tech Media, which brought digital solutions and technology to the region 18 months or 24 months ahead of anyone else. Wow. Uh, and, you know, we collaborated with companies that we thought were, were next, next stage, next level. Uh, predominantly, and uh, I would say to begin with, in the UK and the US, uh, but now with the way the world is going, a lot of those partnerships are Far East and even from Africa. Mm. Uh, so the business is, a, is, is essentially giving you end-to-end digital solutions uh, for, I'll say, advertisers that are front runners. Mm. It's not for everyone. It's for the 20% to really want to explore, uh, really want to push the envelope. And want solutions that can scale. Mm, interesting. And how have using Dubai as a hub? How have you seen the demands and you know other territories? And how how has Future Tech Media grown? Yeah, it's um, it, it's an interesting uh, question because you know Dubai is my home, uh, it, but it's also from a business point of view. We don't look at it as an HQ. We look at it as a forward operating base, mm. which means uh, our Dubai office in Media City doesn't have to be uh, the biggest, uh, but it has to be a center of excellence. Mm. Uh, but also it's a jumping, you know, it's a jump off point to our offices in Singapore, to our offices in Lagos, Nigeria, to our Cape Town and, you know, Joburg office uh, for South Africa. So mm. it gives us a, a, a real broad network. Mm. Uh, and I feel in some ways Dubai helps us connect the, the Western world uh, with, you know, uh, parts of Africa and parts of Asia. Mm. Uh, and, and there's a kind of little mean point in Dubai. There's people. Uh, it's definitely the destination and something really special about this part of the world where people are, you know, work is play, plays work. People are enabled. The leadership and government has created an atmosphere for business empowerment. 
Uh, and, you know, we've really, really tapped into that. And when we go to places and tell our story, we really tell the Dubai story, which yeah. is, you know, it's, it's about business acceleration. It's about entrepreneurship, not just from the leadership, but right across our organization. Mm, interesting. Well put. It really is that type of city. I haven't heard it described so eloquently as that, but it is yeah. a business capital city like that. Um, Boy, when fascinating this story about going to a conference and being inspired and coming up with a business plan on the plane. I love it. But <laughs> when when you see trends, I'm not going to simply say in hindsight if you look back, um, you know, X percent is going to be online. Therefore, there's the opportunity. How do I execute? But in, in reality, the the kind of macroeconomic environment and has been challenging over mm. the last two, three years, but even over the last five, six, seven years. And then the digital uh, shift is becoming not simpler, more and more complicated. Yeah. How, how have you navigated that? And what are some of the challenges that you've overcome? Uh, I think our position in Future Tech is obviously to be at the forefront of this. It means that we are more open to taking risk. Uh, you know, we've got product portfolios of, of Partnership has worked out really, really well. You know, we're the first ones, for example, to bring pragmatic influence advertising to the region. Yeah. Uh, and, and that was interesting. So that as a DNA allows us to, uh, I would say, explore and experiment really, really quickly. Uh, and I, you know, I think after, you know, years and years of doing this and being in digital and connected field, you just get a little, uh, I don't know if it's intuition or coded knowledge of what's, go of what's going to work. Uh, and you know, you touch on the, on the ebb and flow of, 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 you know, of, of things, uh, as well. You know, I think, um, if you always focus on, uh, A, Things that are relevant for the region, mm. B, things that are innovative and different, because we like innovative and different mm. uh, in this part of the world. I think that would always, that would always work. That's, uh, that's good. So you do think that, particularly in the UAE, that people do want those sort of uh, trendy, uh, innovative solutions? Absolutely. And, you know, and, and it's innovation that works and innovation yeah. that scales. Uh, but, you know, we are in the, one of the glitz capital of the world. Uh, so, you know, part of it is when, when you look at, a CMO and how they approach marketing, for example, they have to look at short-term demand and it's all sales, sales, sales. Mm. And they have to look at, you know, long-term demand. And, and somewhere in between all that is how can I excite and how can I, you know, make sure that I'm in the news about my product. Mm. Uh, and it's not just about sales, right? It's, it's about uh, inciting something that's passionate, inciting mm. Uh, and, and recruiting, you know, long-term brand advocates as well. Mm. Uh, and I, you know, if you're in Dubai and you're branding, you don't get that. I, you don't get it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So when, when you and I arrived here, you were a little bit before me, but I, there was numbers banded about it. How much of a CMO, how a marketing budget is spent on digital oh, yeah. uh, versus the, the figure that uh, and, uh, now is the time to explain why it's not called digital, but, <laughs> but versus the number now. And, you know, if you, if you, you know, people say there's a brilliant Jeff Bezos quote saying, 
um, you know, the number of, I, I saw the number of people going to be on the internet, therefore I set it up, but it's not as simple as that, right? Never, so no. especially with, with digital marketing, if we go, hey, you know, it was 10% of a marketing budget and now it might be 50 or 60%, is that, okay, I'm just going to set up a digital business and um, I'm just going to benefit because it's as simple as that? Yes, de definitely no straight line. I mean, there, there are two ways to look at it. And I remember we used to be media planners together, good old days, right? Uh, and we just used to look at eyeballs. Uh, and back, you know, a media agency would, would look at it from a planning point of view and go, well, you know, only 10% of people are online and that's 10% of the budget you're going to spend. Uh, but even when the kind of, you know, digital eyeballs were 60% of the media pie, it was still only spending 20%. Mm. So I think what's really happened in the region and probably globally is that the, uh, I, I, you know, I would say that the digital penetration was always faster than the adoption in terms of marketers uh, investing in that space. Mm. But we're finally there. Okay. Right. You know, if you look at the region, the IAB put some numbers out last year. You know, the IAB being the Interactive uh, Advertising Bureau, yeah, you know, the, the Dubai chapter. Yeah. Uh, and I think you know we are at three point six billion dollars. Uh, digital advertising spend in the Middle East, North Africa region. Yeah. Uh, and that social uh, media advertising, that's display media, that's video advertising, mm. uh, that's a whole bunch of things. Huge jump. Uh, yeah. But it's, uh, you know, it's been accelerating and, and, and doubling. Yeah. And, uh, but I now, and that's why I don't call it digital anymore. I think that's now mainstream. That's mainstream. I, I, I think if you, if you only think in broadcast, you're dead. You're dead as a business. Forget mm. it. Right. You, you just have no idea. If you're in your strategy meetings talking about going digital, you're behind, mm. right? But you can you can still catch up. You know, it should be fifty to sixty percent or or marketing budget. And, yeah. and I know you know some FMCG FMCG brands that it's ninety percent of the marketing really? budget. Yeah. And uh, but it's a great question, Richard, because I was reading an article today, and you know one of the brands was talking about going digital. It's 2022. Mm. Yeah. We're in a post-digital world. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, there's yeah. no physical and digital anymore. Yeah. It's, it's all just, just it connected. Just yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just all connected. It's yeah. just connected advertising. Anything that you can, uh, that has any kind of internet connection to it mm. is advertising that is you know, essentially the future. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, anyway, I'm very passionate about that area. And, uh, no, it's good. We, we could labor on it, but I, I know you're into the, the connected world that we live in now. So we, we'll have to remember to touch on that. But sort of two questions in one to kind of close off sure. this topic is you innovated with your, your offering. Um, did the others catch up? And also a pandemic related question. You weren't obviously attending as much physical events in the past. So how did you find that with staying on point on trend with what solutions were out there? How did you keep on top of the, the market and keep innovating during the last two years? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question because, you know, we, uh, I would say broadly media people are very tactile. It's an industry where you want to have conversations, you want to meet people, you want to brainstorm in a room together and, and, uh, of course, we can we can do that a lot over the next over the last uh, eighteen to uh, two years, eighteen months to two years. Uh, so, I mean, we've done a lot of webinars. 
uh, and that's been useful. Uh, you know, we've used Zoom and got Zoom uh, to connect in, in person. Uh, and you've just seen the massive increase of online conferences, which has made it a lot more accessible. It's definitely not the same uh, because some of the nuggets uh, is not in what's been broadcast in these conferences, it's in conversations. Mm. Uh, but we may do with it. So, you know, one of our partners, Reuters, so Reuters, for example, is a, is a partnership that we exclusively represent across Middle East and Africa. Mm. Uh, what we've done for them, for example, is we've done a lot of webinars with uh, tourism boards, with uh, government bodies as well, and they've connected the audience to uh, the advertisers, uh, and that's worked. Uh, but okay. I have to say, uh, you know, as a connected quote unquote person, uh, I'm quite keen to see the end of the pandemic. Mm. Uh, you know, we believe in a hybrid stop structure of physical and digital. Mm. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm quite a tactile person. I like in person meetings. Mm. Uh, I do travel a lot. Uh, but I think that, you know, the richness of meeting multiple people ideas, locations, you know, that's uh, that's what drives me as a person. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, interesting. But you, so you didn't think that the pandemic held you back. You were able to uh, you were able to stay on top of the trends in other markets and bring them to future tech. It didn't sort of slow down the innovation. No, no, it didn't. And, and actually, you know, it's um, for our South Africa operations, for example, we launched a product, I think a month into the pandemic, uh, called Adimo is basically a shoppable marketing uh, uh, technology that mm. enables you to go from click to purchase. Mm. Uh, you know, traditional advertising, traditional digital advertising would be, you know, you see a banner on web or, you know, and you click on it, but there's no kind of uh, closure or conversion in terms of purchase. Mm. And this product essentially enables you to uh, see a product you like as a consumer. Uh, have a look to a council and purchase. And yeah. we, you know, we connected this with Noon and Amazon and a lot of local ah. retailers. Uh, but having Dubai office as a pilot and then taking that product within, you know, four to six weeks to our South Africa office mm. enable them to have, you know, some of the, one of the best years, uh, that have had really? in terms, in terms of business. So okay. it's, uh, we definitely accelerated, mm. uh, but that's because we, we, you know, we, we adapted very quickly. We are, mm. we are still a medium organization. We, we want to be that. I, you know, I think, yeah. think when you're too big as an, as an organization, you lose a little bit of your DNA and your agility. Okay. And is, that was part of the second question. Is that what, what's happened? If you were running one of these global media groups, what's the status quo? Are they innovating? Is there, is it the digital landscape really challenging for them now? And are they going, you know, are they going out of business basically? Yeah, I, I, I think big media holding companies have somehow, despite uh, what the industry generally thinks about their future, somehow managed to survive and grow. Mm. Uh, not all of them. I think there'll still be massive consolidation. Uh, but if you look at certain spaces, can they buy you uh, the best the best media for the, for the lowest cost? One hundred percent, yes. Okay. Uh, but can they tell you what to do with your e-commerce product over the next three four years? Uh, uh, can they help you you know explore emerging markets faster? Mm. Uh, can they, can they help you launch a product uh, mm. and actually be part of 
you know, the product workshop and the technology. I think, I think that entire space of media support services, including media buying, is disrupted already. Yeah, it's disrupted already. Yeah, uh, but you can't say it. Why? Because you're seeing growth from the big media companies. Well, you don't know what the opportunity cost of that growth is. What I mean is, if they grew by twenty percent, what could that have been hundred percent? Okay, there are a lot of smaller independent agencies. Some focused on only creative technologies. Some focused only uh, AI on automation. Some focused on programmatic. Uh, programmatic. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think it's already disrupted. Okay. It's it, it, it's already uh, the, the, they've already lost a lot of market share. But there is a space for them. Yeah, uh, and they the huge. Organizations, they're yeah, never going to disappear overnight. No. But yeah. they will change. Yeah. They're definitely not innovating as fast as they should. But you can't at that size. Yeah, it, it's impossible. Even Facebook doesn't innovate anymore. Mm. You know, except with the uh, Meta uh, stuff. <laughs> well, we've well, yet to see anything, right? Well, <laughs> I, I don't think Meta's innovation at all. Okay, so it's it it's positioned as a uh, I will say a first strike. Uh, and a first movement, uh, but actually it's not. It's a, it's a reaction, and it's a defensive position, mm. right? If you look into, if you look at Web three, you look you you look at that space, uh, and you look at how people are now getting on web. You know, we're getting on web through wallets. I mean, yeah. uh, if I look at my uh, my browsing habit over the the last seven days, I've used Coinbase Wallet, I've used MetaBase, uh, MetaMask. Yeah. To get to get online, that's yeah. that's why I'm using to browse. Yeah, uh, so that's already disrupted. So I think they they actually playing a, a game of catch up, interesting, uh, as opposed to leading leading okay. that space. So stay nimble, stay small. Stay. <laughs> Sorry to innovate, but yeah, I, I, I'll I'll say this. Uh, you know, I've worked in digital and technology for twenty years, uh, and I would say this is singularly the most Terrifying time and also exciting time, which Web three, NFTs, cryptocurrencies, mm. the whole blockchain re- revolution. For me, you know, I've never seen anything like this. Yeah, it's it's yeah. a mass acceleration. Uh, but on the flip side, when I've broader conversations with generalists in our field, they have no idea. Mm. So if you're looking for disruption, it's that's the now. space it's going to be, and yeah. it's happening now in the Web three space. Yeah, it's happening now. Yeah, it's a whole different ecosystem. Yeah, uh, and and you know what? You you know what killed uh, Web two for me? Influencers. <laughs> <laughs> that was the end of Web two. Yeah. You know, I, it's fascinating you put it like that, and we could t- we could have a whole separate co- podcast on <laughs> NFTs. But and I do want to ask you about your other venture. Mm. Uh, but I was listening to a publishing podcast, and sure. they said that e-commerce actually uh, brought second life into uh, Web One publishing companies because um, you know Web One is SEO. It's uh, you know got no social interactions. But the companies that embrace e-commerce with Web One are doing really well. And I almost think that the media publishers who've embraced social influencers, yeah, that 
Web3 will actually breed life, will prove the thing that Web3 is trying to do that mm. Web2 never did, mm. 2.0 never did, because it never actually gave real value or money for influencers. They were never, re or anyone. Yes. You couldn't yeah. really monetize your social. How much money have you made from your LinkedIn account or your Twitter account, right? Yeah. Nothing, yeah. Yeah. indirectly, but directly nothing. Um, so, uh, but actually maybe Web3 will be, will make a lot of money for people, but it will do it on top of Web2. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, I'll just one thing on the influencers bit. Okay, right? you probably thought I was being negative when I said influencers influencers <laughs> killed killed, killed Web two. Uh, but I actually mean it in a, in a you know say what you like about influencers. I actually mean it in a positive way for them uh, because I I think influencers realize they don't need social platforms. Mm. Uh, it's it's actually uh, the influencers have really done well. Have looked at bricks and have looked at, you know, opening physical stores and, you know, creating their own NFTs. So they've actually gone beyond, uh, above and beyond the social oh, platforms. Yeah, they create uh, whereas it was created on social, mm. but now it's like, well, I could have a store in Dubai Mall and I could do an NFT launch and it's just gone above and yeah. beyond it. And when you think about it from that you know, from that point of view, Interesting. Uh, it's, uh, it's a totally different space. It's all about projects now. It's yeah. all about projects. Yeah, interesting. So switching tact a bit, can you explain Genomi Ventures, how it came about and what you do? Yeah, uh, so in a way, I'm kind of a reluctant entrepreneur. I've always kind of seen opportunities and gone, why is no one doing this? Yeah, <laughs> We've got to do something and then done it. Uh, and then I slept for five years, but you know, <laughs> you know the drill. Yeah. Uh, so Genomi Ventures came. We're doing a lot of partnerships with, with, with tech businesses, and 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 then the IPO off the back of our revenue the next year. Yeah. <laughs> we were like, well, how can we get involved in this? So we okay. started investing in in tech businesses and startups in uh, the places we're operating in. Uh, at the same time, I was doing a feature tech partnership with it. Mm. Uh, so, A, we were, you know, client and a customer of theirs, and then we're an investor. Uh, and that did two things that allowed us to uh, direct the product roadmap, yeah. uh, but also, uh, you know, enjoy some of the benefits of their growth that we contribute into. Uh, and we've all, you know, Genome Ventures itself is a, it's a, it's a venture business. You know, it's, it's early to, to meet stage and it, it's growing. It's grown over time. I think it's only about three years old. Uh, but what's enabled us to do is approach startup investment from a founder point of view. You know, if you're a founder and you've been, you know, you've had to put together a vision, the product development, marketing, you just get it. When you just sit in a pitch room with someone, you just know. You know, you can you can you look at the numbers, look at the forecast, look at the product roadmap. But it's a very very different way from I would say a you know a financial analyst come coming into the business. Mm. Um, uh, and we built it for the region. We built it for the Middle East. We built it for Africa. Mm. Uh, and we've we you know our, our thesis is anything that's connected, right? Yeah. Uh, so so one of our latest investment was an hydro farm in Egypt. Wow. Uh, but it's connected to uh, you know AI technology that tells them best time to produce strawberries, wow. stuff like that. Interesting. Uh, so from that to you know we've just uh, done an exit with El Grosso, you know one of our early investments just yeah. been acquired by. Uh, Etisalat. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure 
uh, if they've announced it. Actually, they have announced it, so I, I can't yeah. talk about that. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I think they very related worlds. You mm. know, people think that it's, it's completely different, but one of those technologies uh, as well. And interesting, fascinating. But it is a different business. It's a different business. Yeah, one hundred percent. And one hundred percent. We've got a different partnership. Yeah. You know, we. Uh, you know, our head office is still here, but actually, we do a lot of transactions from, you know, Singapore, Estonia, wherever that business is. Yeah. But uh, but from a, from setting, how does one go about setting up a fund? Because you might spot cool trends that you yeah. go, I'm just going to write a check, but. To actually, you know, do you need to have it? Uh, do you, how does it work? Like, how, what's the business offering? What's the context? Um, and also, you know, we hear of businesses through word of mouth, but is there a different access points once you're a fund? Like, is there a different network and is there different ways to get to the table and things like that? Yeah, I'll answer your questions, uh, your question in bits. Um, I think if you start from scratch, you always start from angel investing. You know, you uh, look at a company, the, you might know the, uh, the founder, uh, you should know something about the sector, uh, and you have an amount of disposable cash to, to invest. And if you first investment, you probably follow it very, very closely. Mm. Uh, so, you know, we started from that to syndicating, you know, uh, inviting people to a pool to invest in a company. Uh, um, so they would put money into a pot, into a fund? Essentially, we yeah. set up an SBV, which is essentially an investment vehicle, like a mini company, to invest in X. Mm. Uh, and I'll be the protagonist uh, as, the, you know, as the, the managing partner. Mm. And I would you know, put forward a, a proposal uh, and we invite you know, people to it. Mm, interesting. And and how's it? So is that you started like you would as a personal investor? Is that exactly? Great? And then exactly, but, and we grew it over time yeah. to bringing more people, more partners. Yeah. Uh, but now we, you know, we, we we're in a position where there is enough of uh, we, you know, I, I think we 10, 12 investments in. Okay. Uh, wow. And that's enough of a base to raise a fund of because a, uh, you know, a you show you know what you're doing, you're making the right bets. Uh, B, you've, you've got enough of a, uh, well, I'll say you've got, you know, a couple of exits, so you can reinvest. Yeah. Uh, and you, you've done all that track learning. Record, yeah. You've done that learning. Yeah. And, and you've got that track record. That's a really insightful way to approach setting up a fund. People might say, hey, I'm going to get $50 million together or 100 million and I have a fund. But what you've done is you've got like-minded people together. You started, with basically personal cash and, and investments that has proven out what you're trying to do. And then the next stage then could be potentially to get outside, you know, institutional investment into Absolutely. a fund. Absolutely. And then you have more uh, room to play with when you go around yeah. looking at companies. And, 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 and it's, uh, it's interesting uh, when you say that because people always think, well, you go set up one fund. Uh, and actually, in 2022, I think we set up two separate funds. There, there's a there's okay. a there's a fund that we're raising uh, for Middle East and Africa. Uh, it's a 10 million dollar fund, uh, and it's I think it's it's swayed more to Africa than Middle East. If I'm honest, it's probably 80 20 percent mm. uh, because massive acceleration in in that area. Um, uh, and then we've got a second fund with a with a kind of you know different managing partners. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, people ask me, oh, that, that must be incredible and you're know, quite difficult to manage. 
Well, it's, it's, it's not difficult to manage. Uh, I think if you've got the right investment thesis, you've got the right team, you know, uh, this is a team of four or five people, particularly on, the, on this fund, uh, and you have a very focused approach on what you want to invest in, mm. that you know about, you've done your research and you can roll it out. It's of course a brave area, right? Yeah. You know, it's, it's bonkers for people to put, you know, to invest in a, in a business that's six months old. And that's, that's kind of where we are, you okay. know, it, it's early stage. Uh, but I've always invested in people, so it's a little bit easier for me. Yeah. Uh, and we try not to just invest in a founder's uh, first outing. Mm. We, we try to invest overall in their business. Mm. You know, outing one might not work, mm. outing two might. Are the, are the returns higher in the Middle East and Africa in more riskier market? Is the, is the risk reward worth it? Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely Africa. Uh, that, that's a you know, exploding frontier for us. You know, some of the businesses there have gone from you know, $100 million valuation to $2.5 in 18 months. It's bonkers. Wow. Uh, so you know, I think there's massive acceleration there. Uh, a lot of the fintech companies that we've invested in, uh, uh, you know, they, they look at the consumer base and they're like, well, 80% of the Africa population is unbanked. Mm. Of course, they're banked in one way or the other, but based on you know, this particular product, they, they're untouched. Mm. So yeah, absolutely. It, yeah. It's a big market. Yeah, you know, Nigeria alone is 200 million people. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, South Africa is 40 million plus. So it's huge. Yeah, because it is a big market. You think uh, the Middle East and uh, Africa is, you know, an emerging market. Therefore, it's smaller. It, it might be smaller in terms of spend, but actually, but but this, I guess, is my question: is you're, you're actually everything that's connected can be invested in, but that can essentially be every category, every industry. Sure. And the market that you've chosen is massive. And your early stage to mid-level, which is also huge. So, <laughs> so how, do, how, like, how do you narrow it down? How do you know which ones to go yeah, for? I, I think it's something you mentioned earlier on that I, I didn't answer, actually. You know, your question was, you know, how do you find these deals? It, it's a network. Okay. You know, it's a network. So, you know, one of our first investment three, four years ago, we, um, I think it was a creative tech company in Estonia that was... Uh, operating in a lot of in the rest of EMEA and we partner with over here as well uh, but you get onto that shoulder call and you might have put in a couple of hundred thousands or even hundred thousand mm. uh, dollars but the lead investor there has just put in two million dollars that's a network right so you're co-invested in that uh, and you get access to their to their management team you get access to their research uh, and you start to learn, you start to build your network. Yeah. Uh, and now we've expanded that network to, you know, um, a lot of founders, uh, a lot of VCs, a lot of angel investors in the Middle East, in Africa, in the UK. Uh, so it's like everything else. It's, uh, you, mm. you know, you just build over time, uh, that network. So I think now we we'll probably receive something like five, uh, proposals a week from, from founders. Right. Just from word of mouth, you know, yeah. people say, "Oh, like, you need, you know, you, or oh, e-commerce in uh, Middle East or digital technology in Middle East." Well, you need to speak to Genomi because they did, they invested in Next, uh, they know that space, or they might be interested. Interesting. And, and that's it. That's, that's it. how it goes. Yeah, I think the bigger VC companies, you know, do it differently, but uh, based on our goals and our, on our pace, 
uh, yeah. this is working working well for us. And what's the vision then for Janami in terms of, uh, you mentioned that example of a lead VC leading it, and then there might be smaller companies like yours, and then even smaller angel investors. Is that the, is that the place that you'd like to stay in for now, that you kind of, uh, you'd like to be part of the early round, but you you don't necessarily want to lead as the lead VC from start to start listening. Yeah, I think it depends. So the way we structure the business is, you know, Genome Ventures it, it itself. It's a you know, it's a venture business, but the funds that we, the, you know, the funds that we raise could be with other partners, uh, and and some of those, you know, we will earmark. Uh, uh, some investments for initial, mm. some for follows. So I think it depends on the partnership and it depends on the fund. On some of them, will be really, really early uh, based on the risk uh, factor of, of that business. Mm. Uh, and some will will see an opportunity to you know keep growing with them. Is the opportunity, so talking about the trends and sure. we're here at the start of 2022, what's more important for you to invest in a certain space over the next 12 months or just to find the right people? It's um, a good question. Are we, uh, like if we sat here a year from now, would you feel like there's a trend? I know you love doing predictions and <laughs> looking down that, that vision uh, tunnel, but is, is there an area that you go, oh, I really need to get in? 100%. Where? So if someone asked me, oh, well, what's the, what's the broadest uh, prediction and kind of like uh, forecast over the next two, three years, I'm not even talking 12 months, it's decentralization. Okay. Uh, and I think w when I say that, you go back and you think of Web3. Uh, but I think it's decentralization of, of everything. Uh, and, you know, some of that will be scary for centralized organizations, mm. uh, such as banks and governments, but I don't think it needs to be. Uh, and I, I can give an example from currency, uh, but actually let's talk about identity, you know. Uh, if you look at your identity now, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm a black British, uh, Nigerian heritage, I could be British Nigerian, Nigerian British, I live in Dubai, I have offices you know, in four or five cities in the world, uh, where do my kids uh, identify? You know, what they identify as, you know, are they British, are they black, are they, you know, Nigerian, they're Jamaican, you know, what is that identity? Yeah. And I think a lot of that is decentralized identity in the digital space. Yeah. So when someone puts up a board ape, uh, your club uh, profile picture or do this profile yeah. picture, well, that you know, that person is saying now that's that's my identity, and wow. it's, it's, it's decentralized. Wow! I use that on LinkedIn, I use that on Instagram, I use that right across the board. And I think if you take that premise into every area of what we're talking about, uh, that's going to be the huge and the the biggest Super disruptor. Biggest disruptor. Well put. I didn't even think of it like that. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, okay. Cool. Got it. <laughs> the, the other broader question is: You've been here a long time, ish, yeah. relatively speaking. Uh, what's your sort of outlook on the Middle East and Africa? Is it a market, an emerging market that will eventually emerge? Um, and what's the current prognosis? Big question. Big question. Big question. Big question. Um, I mean, for us as a as a business. Again, it's a, it's a great forward of Britain base. I have got multiple businesses that are Dubai centered. Uh, I think they, they, they risk the challenges, they also opportunities, right? You know, you've got, 
you've got um, you know the Middle East generally will grow, but you know we're in Dubai, we're in UAE, and that's probably the the most interesting to me to begin with. Uh, but then you've got Saudi as well, which it's it's not a young country. But if you've looked at the activities of the last 18 months, feels like a young country. Mm. You've got Qatar as well. Uh, I think we're just at the beginning. Mm. You know, I, I spent uh, part of the summer in, in Miami and I saw all the buildings and I, you know, I went out to an f and I was at a few conferences. And I came back to Dubai uh, and I looked and I just, for the first time, I think I was looking at it from a very clear perspective and it just felt like it was only 20% built okay. and if you look at it from that point of view wow. the ride has just started yeah and that's you know that's my I'm an optimist but you know I, I look, we've got loads and loads of lands we've got businesses the amount of entrepreneurs I've spoken to in the last True. six months they've just relocated to to Dubai and the way we've you know we've handled the pandemic as well so Amazing. I think Yes, only the beginning, but if you think about Dubai as being the center and the kind of like the cutting point of the Middle East, then actually the growth for the rest of the, the region is yeah. unprecedented. Brilliant. That's a brilliant note to finish on. I think it's the best conversation we've had. I'm glad we recorded it. I've learned a lot. Thanks very much, Boye. Thanks, Richard. Uh, thanks a lot. We'll follow the, both your adventures in the coming years. Thank you very much. Good luck to you guys and have a fabulous 2022. Wow, that was a lot. There was a lot of uh, explanations there and Boy really explains the complicated things to understand in an articulate way. Uh, so I enjoyed that. We could have went on a, a lot longer uh, when you get into the nuts and bolts of digital advertising and the future trends of media. Uh, there's so much there and also uh, as he explained about the startup space as well, there's a lot going on. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation and we can have Boy back on again uh, on either of his ventures, but it was a really good introduction to what he's doing. Uh, so I want to thank our producers, uh, Shahir and Ali, and on video today is Richie. Uh, please do subscribe uh, to any of the podcast channels that you're listening to this on, or if you're watching on the Smashy YouTube channel, subscribe there. Do download the apps. We're now officially live on uh, iOS, uh, TVOS on Apple and Android. Any of those smart TVs that have Android, you will be able to get the Smashy uh, TV app. There is a seven day free trial, but you'll, see, you'll be able to see the 150 previous Dubai Works episodes and our other shows, mainly in Arabic on crypto, real estate, and the general business news in the region. Do check it out, and we'll have another episode in a couple of days.